You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Support for this podcast comes from Botter. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to episode 33 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking poultry health and animal welfare with Dr. Eric Heskett, Director of Veterinary Services at Case Farms, a fully integrated poultry farming and processing group of dedicated individuals working together to produce consistent quality poultry products. With operations in Ohio and North Carolina, Case Farms processes 3.8 million birds per week, has over 3,300 dedicated team members, and produces in excess of 1 billion pounds of fresh, partially cooked, and frozen for export poultry products each year. Of course, a core component of Case Farms' quality commitment is to ensure the welfare and health of its chickens. And as the processor's licensed and accredited veterinarian, Eric plays a role in achieving those key standards. He's worked with Case Farms for almost four years, and during this time, Eric has helped all four Case Farms facilities transition from conventional care methods to no antibiotics important to human medicine, all the way to no antibiotics whatsoever in their poultry care. Case Farms has given him the ability to move through these processes seamlessly, helping keep animal welfare at the center of their operations. Eric works side-by-side with Case Farms' family farmers to help provide insight and support to proactively manage flock health. He is passionate about giving a voice to the voiceless and helping animals in whatever way he can. Eric always seeks to prevent and mitigate animal suffering, letting the animals guide their care. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Eric. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast today. Thank you, Julie. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for this opportunity. That's great. Well, let's start with a bit of a big picture question. What kinds of disease prevention programs are in place at Case Farms to help ensure the health and well-being of the birds in your producer's care? Yes, Julie, our disease prevention programs has four key components. Firstly is vaccination. Secondly is a balanced diet. Thirdly is water. And fourthly is biosecurity. To touch on each of these, first with vaccinations. Vaccination is all about preventative care. Vaccination is providing the animal with potential disease-causing organisms at the right time, allowing them to mount an immune response so that if they do encounter these organisms, they will not become sick. Our vaccination program begins all the way when we receive pullets and cockerels, which are the immature moms and dads that will produce the fertile hatching eggs that we will eventually hatch out and grow up to be meat-type broiler chickens. This vaccination program starts, as I said, with the pullets and cockerels and continues on into the hatchery and on occasion may also include vaccination on the broiler farms. Now, with vaccination, it's not always equal a needle. There are many different routes of vaccination we use in the poultry industry to vaccinate these chickens. Some do include a needle, but some that don't include the drinking water method, coarse spray, gel droplets at the hatchery for ingestion of certain pathogens, 
and even eye drop vaccination in our pullets. Along with the vaccination, the first seven days is very important to us. And one of those key indicators is crop fill at 24 hours post-placement after the bird's been placed on the farm. We like to see greater than 95% crop fill, meaning the birds have gotten off to a good start. However, raising chickens provides a little bit of a challenge in that chickens are precocial animals, meaning that they don't have mom and dad around to show them what life is about. Whereas most mammals, think of your puppy dog, your kitten, maybe a, a pig, a sheep, a calf, they're altricial, which they have typically in most mammalian species have mom around to help nurse them to a more developed state and show them what life's about. That brings about the challenges that we need to provide these birds with very bright lights early. We need to provide them with supplemental feeders so they don't have to walk far to bump into food and water. And also because these animals are very small, we have to provide water in the water lines at the right pressure. Secondly, the balanced diet. This is out of my scope as a veterinarian, but I work hand in hand with our professional nutritionist and he provides a balanced diet for the right stage of the animal. Early in the life, the birds need higher protein and lower fat to help get their body off to a good start and start to grow muscles. And later in life, there's more maintenance required for that animal, so they require more calories and that lower protein. Our professional nutritionist formulates these diets to provide the right nutrients at the right time for these animals. And he also uses enzymes so that we ensure that we're getting all the nutrients available out of the plant stuffs that we feed. 93% of what we feed our chickens is vegetarian sourced, mostly consisting of corn and soybean meal. Thirdly, but one of the most important nutrients is water. Water is the most important nutrient our birds will consume. And we have a water sanitation program for between flocks as well as during flocks to provide them with uh, clean water to help support their growth and nutritional needs. And lastly, biosecurity. We at Case Farms, we have a saying, every bird, every farm, every day. We must prevent and protect these chickens against the invisible. And we conduct our visits to the family farms as if infectious diseases lie just outside the chicken house. So in summary, we utilize four main prongs to our disease prevention program to provide good bird health. Number one, prevention through vaccination. Two, the balanced diet for the growth needs of the birds through the various stages of development. Thirdly, water, clean and fresh water available at all times. And thirdly, biosecurity, every bird, every farm, every day. You know, Eric, when you touched on the water issue, it makes me think in total about environmental management. And I think that really goes hand in hand with disease prevention programs. So along the same vein, what's the approach to environmental sustainability at Case Farms that helps ensure the health and well-being of the birds? Yes. You know, family farmers are some of the most concerned about sustainability because they want to have their farms around for the next generation. And we too believe in raising these chickens in a sustainable manner. It all comes full circle for us and we understand that we're part of a bigger environmental picture. And environmental sustainability starts with the chicken house environment itself. It starts with fresh air. Today we have the luxury of 
computer controllers that allow fresh air to come in at the right time and to be warmed early in the life of the bird. So we provide heat to the birds early in life and later in life using cool cells, which is a rudimentary form of air conditioning through evaporative cooling. Our family farmers, as I said, have these computer controllers, but the computer can only do what it's told. And our family farmers are in these chicken houses frequently. And as you mentioned in the introduction, the birds need to tell us what they need. And these computer controllers can be tweaked to allow more or less fresh air or more or less heat for the needs of the bird. When we have hot, sunny days, we're going to need more air. When we have cold, damp days, we're going to need less air. Which brings me to the second point around, you hear the word chicken litter or bedding. We use the word chicken litter, which is the bedding in which the birds live their life on. And it is typically pine shavings. It can be oak shavings. It can be rice hulls. It could potentially be peanut hulls. But where we grow our chickens, it's largely waste products from the timber industry, from sawing logs into boards for the construction industry or for furniture production. And this sawdust and the shavings from the planting process provide a great litter source, a great bedding source for the chickens. So we're recycling some of the waste products from another industry. This litter provides a giant sponge because in the dead of winter, you can't pull out as much water vapor in the air as we'd like to at two, three, four in the morning. Conversely, in the summer, we can pull a lot of the water moisture. To put things in perspective, 80% of the water that goes into the chicken house via the water lines, and if it's summertime and we're using cool cells, needs to be blown out of the chicken house via water vapor. So the chicken litter provides a sponge for when ventilation is optimal to pull more moisture out of the house. And lastly, as we talked about full circle, this is not something that we throw away or get rid of. In many locations, the chicken litter is rich in nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, NPK, which provides great value to farmers that row crop, soybeans, corn, many other row crops. And this chicken litter that is now that started as a waste product from one industry that's now a waste product to us becomes a fertilizer for row crops. Chicken houses are cleaned out to the ground about every 12 to 15 months. And in between the growth cycles, the family farmers use two methods to keep the litter in good condition. One's a poultry housekeeper, which separates the caked litter and takes it out of the house from the desirable fine litter. The second, which is more preferable, is windrowing, where the litter is piled up into two or three windrows inside the chicken house and allowed to go through two or three heat cycles, which also provides a natural drying of the litter as well as killing bacteria and viruses and some parasites that may be in the litter. The litter that is now no longer needed after total cleanout is used by farmers typically in the area and application of that onto agricultural land is governed by nutrient management plans, which is outside of my scope of expertise. But we've started with a waste product from one industry. We've used it as a valuable bedding source for us, and we've turned it into a 
valuable commodity in a natural fertilizer for the row crop industry. Our conversation today continues in just a moment after a word from our sponsor, Botter. Running at 70 birds per minute, the new Botter Breasty Boner 661 is specifically designed for the U.S. market to be a direct replacement for the industry standard dual manual deboning lines. The machine saves skilled labor by automating complex cutting and scoring processes while keeping you directly in control of the quality and yield through manual harvesting of the fillets and tenders. Realize the intelligent combination of man and machine. Contact your Botter representative to schedule a demonstration at poultry-us at botter.com. And now, back to this week's Meeting Pod interview. Well, let's turn our attention a little bit to the antibiotic-free part of your expertise. Are there opportunities and challenges to raising birds antibiotic-free? Yes, Julie, there are challenges. There's challenges raising birds, conventional raising birds with no human antibiotics or raising birds with no antibiotics ever. The biggest challenge that as a veterinarian providing animal care and animal health to these animals is the toolboxes we say in our, our vernacular our toolbox has gotten smaller. In other words, there's safe and efficacious products that are out there that due to consumer choice and consumer demand don't want to be used in the animals that are raised that could potentially become their food. So our, our toolbox has become smaller. With every challenge comes an opportunity. One of the challenges we see with smaller number of products is a budding nutraceutical industry. Nutraceuticals, I lump all of those products that are prebiotics, probiotics, essential oils, and the like into the nutraceutical category. The one challenge is company A can have product X and company B can have product Y, which have the same ingredients, but company A may be superior than company B due to different batches and different ways that they produce their product. So some challenges in suppliers and also batch-to-batch consistency can become an issue. And, and the biggest issue with the large geographic spread Case Farms has is that just because we found product X works in uh, one complex, one location, it is not a one-size-fits-all. We have to customize our approach to the location and the challenges are present in that location. As, as I said, with challenges come opportunities. The nutraceutical industry is a, is a budding industry. We continue to see more and more offerings in this space. The most important thing as a veterinarian is that we ensure that the products have been tested. We need to test these nutraceuticals to ensure that they do what the supplier says and do it consistently. The second thing is with nutraceuticals, there are very efficacious nutraceuticals out there, but using them early in the disease process is very vital to getting the birds back onto a good plane of bird health. And then lastly, the opportunity is the need for more communication with our family farmers back to our Case Farms team members that visit the farms. We have to move from being reactive to proactive. And our stance at Case Farms is being proactive to restore the high plane of health when challenges arise. 
Well, from a pre-harvest standpoint, then what would you say are the current or most promising intervention and control methods that help ensure or strengthen animal welfare and health programs and ultimately food safety and quality in the supply chain? Yeah, Julie, you know, this goes back to our very first point around our, our health program. Our health program is not just about organisms that can cause disease in the chicken. It's also important to address the organisms the chicken can live just fine with, but potentially cause harm to humans. I lump all that into our food safety organisms, and there's some wonderful products on the market today that can be applied in the pullets, the immature females that will later become the hens to lay our hatching eggs to help mitigate and reduce the transmission of certain food pathogens that could be transmitted from the hen through the egg and onto the progeny, which later becomes meat for sale. And those vaccinations can also be used in the broilers. So there aren't that many offerings for poultry vaccinations for food safety, but is an area that several government entities as well as private sector are looking at because this is the next frontier we need to conquer in being able to reduce and mitigate these diseases before they become a problem. The second thing that I've seen in in my career is the speed and detection of detecting these organisms, as well as detecting minute differences in the organism that may be called the same, same thing, but it's a slight strain or serotype or genotype difference. But these changes may be important to the infectivity of the bacteria that may be causing a food safety concern. And lastly, early diagnostics with rapid diagnostics is all about getting it right the first time. If we can get it right the first time, we can imply the proper treatment when disease challenges do occur and get the birds back onto a high plane of bird health again. As a veterinarian, what excites you most then about the technologies or advances that the poultry industry is making in terms of improving animal welfare, handling, and health? And what makes you excited about the future? I'd answer that, Julie, in three parts. And I continue to come back to the term vaccination, but vaccination is proactive. Vaccination is also insurance. As I said earlier, vaccination is exposing the birds to a a known disease-causing organism, a pathogen, at the right time when it's right for the animal and they can mount an immune response so that if they do see it during their life cycle, it doesn't become a problem for the animal itself or potentially for the product that that animal is growing to become. So vaccination and vaccination around food safety is exciting to me. The technologies that are there are exciting. Secondly is the technology that we carry on our hip or in our pocket every day. As I mentioned earlier, we have a large geographic spread and I'm not able to be outside of every chicken house every time a problem occurs. But technology through video conferencing with our Case Farms team members working with our family farmers allows us to assess the situation quickly and apply the proper treatment the first time. And then thirdly, as I mentioned earlier, is getting it right the first time. When we do need to rely on diagnostics, the speed of which they can give us the answer is very, very important. And also a big area here is with 
supply and demand, the, the more demand there has been, the more supply has been. And that's driven costs down, allowing us to do more and more diagnostics and doing diagnostics in a survey type fashion to see what may be hiding in the background, not causing a problem today, but we need to be proactive and deal with so it doesn't cause a problem tomorrow. Well, thanks so much, Eric, for sharing your expert insights with our Meeting Pod listeners today. And listeners, you can find out more about Case Farms' approach to animal handling and welfare on the company's website at www.casefarms.com. There, you'll also find information on the history of Case Farms and its founding by Thomas R. Shelton in 1986, and about the company's dedication to community involvement and its dynamic track record of worker safety. You can also head over to meetingplace.com and access our technical article archives to get more smart manufacturing advice first published in our poultry processor and other science and technology focused newsletters. Thanks again, Eric. You've really made the case for a commitment to bird welfare and health today, and I appreciate the time. Thank you. And thanks also to Botter for sponsoring today's podcast. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media, or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.